Greetings, adventurers. This is OGRPG. Where we journey into the realms of 8, 16, and 32-bit RPGs. I'm Abby. And I'm Nick. And this week's game is Fantasy Star for the Sega Master System. Well, Cartridge Commandos, as you may have guessed, this is not Mega Man 2 for Game Boy. Sorry for fans of that game out there, but it is instead OG RPG. We are back. And while Eric's away on vacation, then um, we have taken over temporarily. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is Abby taking over for Eric. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, without any further ado, um, sorry for the confusion. And And here we go. So tell us a little bit about the history of Fantasy Star for Sega Master System. Okay, well, Abby, so Fantasy Star for Sega Master System was released in Japan on December 20, 1987, mm-hmm. which was, uh, for context, this is two days after Final Fantasy came out, and a few weeks, I think, before Dragon Quest III. Mm-hmm. This was... Uh, tough uh, competition then for fantasy star well it's um after you know dragon quest was such a big hit uh, especially in japan um everybody wanted it on the rpg train and sega was no exception so this was kind of uh their their first foray into that uh cash cow if you will now it is notable i think as well that this game was released in november of 88 in both the european and northern american territory so almost exactly a year from, uh, yeah. From when it was released in Japan to when it was released in the States and Europe. Yeah, so and which is a pretty uh, low turnover, kind of, you know, especially for RPGs. Like, this game came out here uh, in North America before Dragon Warrior 1. Like, it was one of the, I guess, one of, if not the, like, first, like, RPG, RPG console game, you know? And And that was pretty normal, right, for almost all... RPGs that came out of Japan and then were released in the States. It's just kind of common knowledge at that time that it was going to be a couple years in between. But yeah, like this game came out at the end of 88, right? And Final Fantasy wouldn't come out until 1990. Wow. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. Uh, they they really uh, got in on it, I guess. Or <laughs> But anyhow, so Sega wants in on the RPGs. Money, money. So um, they get uh, Yuji Naka, who's a famous kind of notable uh programmer i believe um he worked uh he was known at the time i think for ports of arcade games such as outrun or space harrier and later on he's i think the head or one of the luminaries of team sonic he worked on sonic the hedgehog so you know he's a he's a well-known in the sega circles and with him was kotaro hayashida who had worked on alex kid and miracle world which we covered on Cartridge Command in the past, which was a early Sega, at least Master System platformer. So that's some, you know, top-notch uh, personnel right there. <laughs> but they also had the graphic designer, who is Rieko Kodama, who's known for a ton of games. Um, she uh, was involved in a lot of RPGs, uh, even, you know, fantasy stars uh, in the future, not only as a graphic designer, but as a director. She produced Skies of Arcadia um, and has really moved up, like... Uh, in, in the Sega company, as far you know, from what I can tell. So, pretty cool right there. But a big part about this game, too, is that they wanted it to stand out from the many 
more direct Dragon Quest clones kind of, you know, medieval stuff. So they settled on a more sci-fi setting, you know, kind of Star Wars-y and uh, also first-person dungeons, which was specifically kind of settled on, I think, because like the the Famicom, the Nintendo Famicom and the NES, like they couldn't handle that stuff that well at all. Like in any of the first person dungeons I can think of, like you're just looking at wireframes. So this was kind of a show off for their uh, hardware as well. Well, in in addition to that, we do see a lot more animation, um, but we'll get to that. Yeah, for sure. So Nick, let's talk a little bit about the setting for this game. Like as you mentioned, it was a departure from, you know, Western um, Arthurian themes, you know, what we typically think of as uh, medieval, you know, medieval Europe, you know, knights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Knights and magicians and wizards. Yeah. So um, this game, you know, it takes place in amongst three planets in the Algol star system, which is the setting for most of the fantasy star uh series yeah the genre is starship starship fantasy (laughs) the theme of the game is starship fantasy so uh we're expecting or you're gonna see all sci-fi uh space travel themes yeah okay so as far as the story goes the game i mean we'll pretty much cover that as we get through the game but from the beginning it's just kind of you know you start off as uh the main character alice female protagonist pretty cool a rare treat in in a game of this age and you, your brother, has been killed by soldiers for the evil tyrant King Lassic. Previously, the the good and just King Lassic, but recently he's become uh, tyrannical. And Alice's brother Nero was part of a like a rebel faction. Yeah, some sort of resistance group or something. Mm-hmm. And he was killed. And Alice has sworn vengeance for her brother Nero. Well, and he tells her before he dies to find a man named Odin, and that's pretty much it. So, yeah, let's get into these uh, characters here. Uh, We already mentioned Alice, who is the main character of this game. And when you start the game, it's just Alice. So, um, as your kind of default member of the party, she's kind of a well-rounded character, you know. Um, And this game, you know, you do have a few stats for your characters, you know, like your strength and defense and your magic stuff. But we won't really talk about it because there's nothing really that you can choose. You can't choose to like upgrade one or the other when you level, you know, they all just kind of increase linearly as you level up. So eh, there's nothing really to say there. So but Alice is pretty um, in the middle with most of her stats. Um, She does get some spells she can cast. Um, she has a good selection of like the weapons and armor. I think. Yeah, she She's can. Kind of, she can use the majority of armor, shields, weapons. Which also, you know, again, pretty linear progression of more expensive and just better equipment by the one <laughs> defense metric that you have. So, but that yeah, that makes her weapon and armor selection uh, very important and cool for her. And our next character is not a human, but a weird. Uh, what is it? A cat rabbit kind of looking creature? Would you say? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a fantasy feline. So it's uh, this beautiful golden color, and it looks extra fluffy, and it's got little tufts on its ears, and very large ears, large tail. Mm-hmm. So he's adorable. His name is Meow. M Y A U. Sure. And for him, um, you know, as you said, Alice being well rounded, um, Meow has some differences you know, right out the gate. Mm-hmm. 
So lower defense, uh, lower attack, but he does start out with some spells, which is nice. Yeah. And Meow stats kind of increase better than Alice's, but you have much less equipment you can buy. You only get a few pieces. Yeah, very few. I mean, three. <laughs> yeah, so a trio of weapons. And then right after Meow, you'll probably find Odin, the aforementioned Odin from your brother's death. Nero, your brother Nero's dying death. <laughs> his dying breath but yeah and odin is a fighter pretty much he has equivalent weapon selection to alice but you know maybe a few things that even she can't use right like there's an axe or two right yeah um yeah alice can't use axes and actually one of the strongest quote-unquote uh weapons in the <laughs> game the laconian axe um only he can use mm. ah. which whatever he can use axes and she can't but he has no spells at all and no MP. So there you go. Fighter Man Odin. And then finally, you've got Noah, who is your wizard, pretty much. We mentioned that Alice and Meow both have spells. They each get a selection of six, but Noah gets nine spells. So, and on the, by far the highest uh, MP. And like you might imagine, as a wizard type character, Noah has the worst weapon and armor selection. Yeah, uh, I think there's two weapons. Well, three, if we want to count a stick. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, and two armors, one of which he already has when you get him. Yeah. Uh, an interesting thing about Noah here, too, is that originally Noah was going to be this, like, asexual or androgynous character. They eventually decided it uh, was going to be a he, but there is a erroneous reference to him in the feminine. You know, they call it a her at some point. Originally, I guess they wanted it to be a character that, depending on how you acted or, or something at some point, it started asexual and then would turn into either a male or female. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Uh, but that all got cut. Uh, I think mainly just because they didn't have space for the stuff, you know, in the game. Like, it was just too ambitious. So, yeah. Interesting, though. But, yeah. That explains the female pronouns that get used sometimes when talking about Noah. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of confusing. I always just assumed it was a translation or localization error, but apparently not. There's one more character who's, you know, not in our party, but is going to be helping us throughout the game, and that's Swelo. <laughs> yeah, yep. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's an honorary uh, party member. She, I can't remember her relationship, though. Was she like Nero's girlfriend or friend or part of the resistance or something? I don't know. I, th I think if she was just a friend of Alice's, I thought. Uh, I'm not sure. She's Really, she's just a house who heals you for free. So thanks, yeah. Zuelo. So anyways, Fantasy Star is an RPG. So aside from the characters, you know, it's, it's really standard in that your like, viewpoints, you know, you do have an overhead map in and out of towns. Uh, the dungeons are first person. So... There's no auto map. That's kind of rough, but uh, it does make the game stand out and they look great. But the rest of the game is pretty much it's all, you know, it's all menu driven pop up menu style, mostly where you can select all your stats and various things, um, including saving your game, which you can save anywhere as long as you're not in a dungeon. So that's good news for, you know, it, it makes it really easy and you can have like five save slots in the game, which is uh, very nice, especially for the age of this game. So as far as magic goes, you have it uses this game uses a, a magic point system, and you have a bunch of different spells that we we kind of already mentioned for all the characters and stuff. But it's all just tied to magic points, and rather than rifle through them in a huge list right now, we'll talk about them as we would learn them in the playthrough. 
Yeah, I think you said the um, the magic system is just like a linear progression. So just as the characters level up, they're just automatically going to get these spells. Not all the spells can be used by everybody. Yeah, everyone has their own. Well, all three all three of the spellcasters have their own list. You know, with some spells that are on you know more than one list, but you always get them at the same level. Mm-hmm. And then you know, um, weapons increase your attack stat, armor and shields increase your defense stat but those are really the only two that you can do anything about so and then a little bit about the combat in this game um has a similar combat viewpoint to say dragon quest where the monster is facing you you only see one sprite at a time although it will indicate sometimes you can fight groups of the same monster so so like you say um there's only one image so you only ever fight one type of enemy at a time yeah but you can encounter up to eight i mm-hmm. think of, yep. of one a big group of whatevers. Yeah, so, and you, you don't see your party members. It's like you're just seeing through their eyes. Yeah, yeah, you have a little, um, you have four little kind of boxes across the bottom that will show you your HP and MP and... And also the HP for the enemies too, which is really nice. That's true, but that is up in the top right, so... You don't see your characters, but you see their attack. So if it's a projectile, you see it... Um, you know, firing from wherever yeah. the character is. So if it's character all the way on the right, which is Noah, you know, something shoots from that corner of the screen. If it's, um, you know, another attack, like a physical attack, then you kind of see like, I don't know, slashes. Yeah, you get a go little. across, <laughs> yeah. And they do change um, between types of weapons, kind of. So you do get a little variety there, which is all right. It's better than just flashes, you know. But unfortunately, yeah, you're not really, you don't get any eyes on your characters in combat here. But you do have some pretty cool uh, varied backgrounds. Varied backgrounds and also animated enemies. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that. But all of the enemy sprites are animated. They all have a pretty decent uh, and usually appropriate little attack animation. So they look cool. They they look really good for, for the age. And last but not least, let's talk about the inventory. Well, one thing to note right away is that it's a party inventory. That's true, which is always, almost always better. But it, it is limited, though, in the number of items that you can hold. I don't remember how many it is. It's not a ton, but it is it is less than you might think because there are various items that you'll get healing items, mostly colas and burgers. <laughs> and um, you use them to heal, but you, they don't stack in one slot. So if you want 10 of them, it's taking 10 spaces. Okay, so slots in your inventory list, though, are going to be taken up by uh, story items. So things that, you know, you're going to get and it's going to stay in your inventory for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's uh, which we'll see that in many other RPGs as we go, because that's it's kind of a common thing that that really sucks, because towards the end of the game, you can lose a bunch of space to these items that are useless. And it's not that bad here. But it um, it does just get kind of annoying sometimes. You know, you have a bunch of keys and various other other jive. Yeah, and you can't organize your your item list either. They they will just show up on the list in whatever order you know you get them or use them. So you can never organize them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boo, boo to them. So, Abby, is this the first time you ever played this game? Actually, it is. Oh, so you have no, like, personal history from this? No, zero. 
zero personal history. I didn't have a Sega Master System growing up. Sure. And um, you know, it's just funny because you grew up in a lot of over in Europe, which yeah, is I where mean, Sega was much bigger. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I had friends that had them, but like an RPG isn't really something you can always mm. play with a friend. Sure. Yeah, for the amount of time it takes. But um, my history is as far as when I found out about this game was as a grown up watching, sometimes catching you playing this game. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I um I had played this game as a kid. I had a um a close friend who lived across the street, and he had a Sega Master System, and we used to play you know a few games on it before he eventually moved over to the Nintendo side. But this was like the main game that I was like, man, I wish. I wish I had this on Nintendo and stuff because it was so graphically impressive. You know, and I'm guessing this would have been in about 89. So, again, I'm not sure if this if I played this before I played Dragon Warrior, as it was known here. Uh, but it would have been right around the same time in this game, especially graphically, like, blows it away. So, for me, as far as, you know, playing the game, you know, did it recently. Oh, yeah, your recent experience. Yeah, my recent experience, um, of course, came about because of this podcast. And um, and the number of times that I'd seen you play it over the years, you know, really recommended it uh, <laughs> to itself to me. So, you know, when it was uh, suggested, then I, I was, I readily agreed. Or <laughs> So you played it? I took up the challenge. All yes. right. So I played it. Did you beat it? I beat it two times. Ooh, nice. I also beat this game again um, and took extensive notes, so we look forward to that. Although I will say that as a as a child, or young preteen, you might say, between, I don't know, whatever I was, I didn't beat this game. Nowhere close. But we did get, you know, you know at my friend's house, we got a decent ways into it because I know we had Odin. So, you know, we probably got a quarter or a third of the way through the game. So uh, en- enough to enjoy it, but... It was really tough uh, with the first-person dungeons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what ultimately prevented you from beating it then? Well... Because it was too hard? Well, I mean, that and it was like, you know, I would play this at my friend's house, and then he got an NES, so there were a lot newer, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I couldn't play it at my house, so it wasn't really, you know, I just kind of watched him play a bit when I'd go over or mess around, you know, we'd both take turns just wandering, but... Yeah, it wasn't really like a concerted effort to beat it at the time. <laughs> well, Nick, did you have a manual to pour over when it wasn't your turn? I sure did. And it's a manual that I did pour over many times. Um, it's it's pretty pretty large, 41 pages in the classic Sega blue and white. It's uh, It's got some good artwork, uh, character and item art, as well as plenty of screenshots. Um, it does. It is an early RPG, and so uh, especially I, I think in the West, they were very, for console gamers, they were very explanatory on what an RPG is and how to blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you're not meant to beat this in one thing. You have a save battery, these various things. So there's a couple of pages of that. You get a little story. And yeah, it gives you a little bit of a story, you know, and your controls, commands, how to do combat. You know, you get a, some neat art for all the weapons, armor, and items, as well as all the spells. It tells you about those. Um, there's an overview of the Algol star system. And uh, descriptions of various towns, the types of buildings you'll run into, um, characters, hints, tips. It's got it all, as well as drawn maps of each planet. Pretty cool. There's a memo section at the end. And, uh, yeah, 
I think it's a great book for uh, a great game. So I read it a lot, and uh, it's not a bad place to start your Fantasy Star adventure. All right, it's time to chat generally <laughs> about Fantasy Star. What did you think about this game? What jumps out at you first, Abby? <laughs> well, huh? what <laughs> what jumps out at me or what jumped out to me uh, playing it is obviously the sci-fi setting versus, um, you know, regular yeah, yeah. European medieval setting. I mean, this was at a time where that was even rarer than it, it, it you know, it's kind of gotten more accepted. You know, you get weird like steampunk or cyberpunk type games, you know, semi-frequently. But back in the day, it was all medieval, baby. Another thing that, uh, you know, really struck me and I really liked right away was the, you know, the complexity of the story and the backgrounds of, oh yeah, you know, backgrounds of, of all the characters and, of course, like the varied lands that you go to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all the different kind of people that you encounter. It's sure, really, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just richly detailed. I, I love it. Yeah, it's it, you can tell they, they wanted to stand out because, like, everything just has this neat little, like, you know, the houses are domes or, you know, it all looks like it's a future. Things are different now and kind of. But, yeah, like you said about the story, like, it's one thing that always, I think, stood out about Fantasy Star to me as someone who played it alongside other RPG franchises was that the story was usually... Mm, maybe not objectively better, but they always felt more logical or there weren't any of these weird, uh, there, there were less of these like melodramatic constant twists of say Final Fantasy, certain Final Fantasies, which are enjoyable in their own cheesiness. But here, this, this game always kind of had a more refined feel, I guess, to the way the story was treated and revealed. I also love it because the story is just a straight revenge story. Starts out yeah, that way. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they do save the they do stay save the star system, or yeah. do they? Where <laughs> we take it upon ourselves to save the uh, Algol star system. It's not. It wasn't a command from anybody. It's not a prophecy. It's not a prophecy. There's no damsel in distress. No, you're the hero. You're yeah. no damsel in distress. Yeah, you're a maiden on a mission. <laughs> and the music of this game is really good too. I think. However. It is held back by some of the worst sound effects in any RPG I've played. Like it's most of them are tolerable, but they're all they all sound like an old PC speaker. Like it's a square wave or tones yeah. that are just they almost sound like mechanical noise at times, and it's uh it's it's pretty jarring to the point where I will when I was playing the game instead of I would turn the volume down and then on YouTube listen to the soundtrack of the game so I could hear the music, but without the Without the gobbledygook coming out of that uh, sound chip, it's it's really rough. That's brilliant. I wish I'd have known that. That's like a, a total like life hack there because <laughs> I I missed out on the music because I always had the volume turned down or I listened to something else. Yeah. Be well, because of the the sound effects. I mean, it is an old game, so it's not. It doesn't have a super deep track list, you know. But most of the stuff tends to get pretty repetitive even for what it is i have a special tolerance for that kind of stuff so i don't mind as much but i you know that's understandable in any of these games is to listen to something else <laughs> especially when you're grinding and lord there's quite a bit of it in this game did you grind much oh did i grind much yes much grinding is required yeah 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 
for equipment, for leveling up. Like, you're just going to have to do it. It's not going to be a... It's, a lifestyle choice no, for this game. Yeah, you're you're doing it, and uh, it's all right, I guess. Um, you know, a lot of that happens in these old games. It's you know, kind of expected, but I think that the... So the grinding nature is kind of exacerbated, I think, by the, the first-person dungeons, which, while they look great, they scroll great and stuff. Um, without an auto map, you have to use a map, like, or make one yourself, you know, and, and I encourage anyone to always use the maps because these are not like intelligible flare layouts. They're all mazes and kind of nonsensical. And especially later on, they get really, they're designed to really make you backtrack or not, not even backtrack just up and down. And, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're intentionally designed to slow you down, lead to dead ends. <laughs> and well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean that, and those two combine to make this game kind of less palatable, I think to a modern audience, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so the dungeons, while graphically cool, are kind of a drag in the end. Yeah. At least in the later part of the game. And as uh, as tortuous as the dungeons are, there's also overland things where the designers are just going to make you walk this really long <laughs> way. Yeah, and there are yeah. some, you know, there are some spots where you can kind of, you know, wander into what's going to lead into dead end that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and this game does, a, you know, you do get some cool, like, vehicles. Aside from your interplanetary spaceships, it's like you have the hovercraft, the ice digger that you need. So the game kind of gatekeeps with that, but it also does something I, I like in most games where it gatekeeps by just, they're just monsters that are just too tough if you go this way to let you know, like, uh-uh, turn around. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Which I like that, but, um, yeah, I like that. I love it. So let's talk a little more about the combat. How do you how do you like the combat in this game? Um, okay, so like as we talked about, uh, um, you know, visually it's great. The enemies and seeing your, you know, what your people do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, combat is, um, you know, seeing what you're actually doing is tough. Like you, um, at the start of the fight, you select all of your actions for all of your characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's just going to autopilot from there on out. And even though you can see, you know, what projectile or whatever, I mean, it, it happens too fast for you to know what character it's coming from. So luckily the designers, you know, when, uh, it's one character's turn, their name pops up on the screen and it pops up on the opposite side of the screen yeah. from where you want it to. Um, I, we, well, yeah. said we said before you can see the hit points of all the enemies that you fight. Um, so if you actually want to compare how much damage characters are doing or, you know, spells, things like that, it is incredibly hard to keep track of Some, who, yeah. Yeah, who attacked. I mean, the name pops up, great, but it also disappears uh, just as quickly. Well, so, Well, yeah, because, you know, you have the... Enemy hit points roster kind of on the top right of the screen. Your hit points are all arranged across the bottom for your character's little menu bars. And then the action kind of menu that pops up and tells you who's attacking, what they're, how much damage they do, that's on the left, top left of the screen. So it's got this like triangle effect where you're, you're like looking around like kind of friends. It's kind of hard to see what, what's actually happening in a, in a battle against something that's not easy, you know? Yeah, it never shows you how much damage um, you're attacked. You just have to do the mental math, looking at the monster's HP, seeing how much is, you know, 
subtracted from it and uh, yeah, yeah. hopefully you can catch a glimpse of what character actually did that damage and then another thing also is um you know in the in battles when you for some actions like going into your item menu things like that uh the window that pops up actually covers up some of the character stats um oh so you yeah, can't, yeah you like can't make any decisions yeah. about you know they do go a little pop-up crazy mm-hmm. with this where it's just like what well, and you, you make a selection and then a new window is on top of that it's something that i think the whole series does kind of throughout it a little more artfully later on i believe what do you think about um talking with people and exploring in towns like how you talk to somebody well, that's true. You just walk up to them. There's no yeah. action button. Yeah. If you, anytime you're in front of a person, which none of the, you move, but none of the, obviously you move, but none of the townspeople do. They're all in place and you just walk right up in front of them and then you get the message they have. But it actually goes to a screen like, um, you know, like a first person view yeah. of the yeah. person that you're talking to. Like it takes you to a, <laughs> a yeah, completely separate screen with its own background yeah well and it's appropriately too because we forgot to mention that one of your basic combat commands is the talk command oh yeah talk that's right and there's a spell that does the same thing as well yeah yeah and so which is basically like run <laughs> um but sometimes you talk to them some animals or not animals but some enemies can you know, they, they look humanoid and you can try and talk to them and they might just be like, oh, hi. You'll get a little message and they'll just go their way. Yeah. Yeah. There's never a point in time where using the talk uh, command is actually going to like get you anything except for out of a fight. Yeah, pretty much. I, I was always enticed by this as a kid. I loved it. I always wanted to talk to things because I was convinced I would get some secret clues or something. But and, and no, it's not happening. All right, then. So... I think it's only time to get into these, you know, we have three planets to explore. So let's uh, buckle in our space belts and uh, get to it in our level-by-level section of the show. It's level-by-level time. All right. So the very start of... The very start of the game, you uh, start out as Alice. You're in the town of Kameny, your hometown. Yes, you are on, on Palma or Parma, depending on where you read it. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you, you know, you your little scene, like we mentioned before, of your dying brother who asks you to find Odin to help you stop Lassic, King Lassic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's old news. So, yeah, right away you start in this town, you know, pretty cool looking. Yeah, dome, the domed buildings. Uh, you get right away that it's a sci-fi setting. Like, because uh, yeah. where you start, there's uh, an exit outside of the town. And there's the uh, stormtrooper looking guards. Like, yeah, there's there's yeah. no other comparison. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because this game came out in, you know, the 80s. But they actually look more like the clone trooper face mask, kind of. I mean, it's all got that kind of, I guess, Roman helmet look. But, I don't know, pretty cool either way. Yep, so uh, there's all the domed buildings, and those are just residences. You can walk in any building in any town, and sometimes there's somebody in there, you know, giving you information. Yeah. But then, of course, um, there are shops. That's true. Yes, there are several shops here. Um, you'll have the, you have an armory where you can buy armor, um, such as the leather shield. It's uh, It gives you a mirror, like, plus three to defense. Uh, it's only 30 mesetas. Oh, yeah, which is the currency of Fantasy Star. Mm-hmm. 
Macetas. Macetas, macetas. I'm not sure. So if anyone out there has opinions or proof that it should be one way or the other, let me know. Or, or Abby. Let Abby know. Yeah. But yeah, also here you can get an iron shield for 520 macetas. That's 15 more defense, but a little out of our price range. As well as the ceramic shield for 1400 Although that's a whopping 23 to defense. So, you know, that kind of spell out your future right here. Because you, when, when you see various items, especially equipment, you know, for sale with that big of a disparity in price, you know, like, all right, there's going to be some fight in the head. Yeah, that's definitely the, the hierarchy that they establish there. <laughs> like, because pretty much any shop you go to, not all of them sell... Uh, shields and stuff when you go to other towns they'll have different things but yeah it's so they always spell it out pretty clearly uh also here we'll find a first food shop which is i'm guessing supposed to be fast food which is uh probably a good guess because the first food shop sells colas and burgers yeah colas give you they're, they're both just uh health restorative items a cola gives you back 10 hp for 10 mesetas and the burger is 40 HP for 40 mesetas. So either way, you know, you cut it, you're getting a $1 or one meseta per hit point deal, which eh, is okay, I guess. Uh, it's all you got, though. Yeah, it, by all you got, meaning uh, there's not going to be any other uh, restorative health items. Right, first, yeah. First food shops are only ever going to sell colas and burgers. Never any sides or fries or yeah, no, shakes no. or anything, just colas <laughs> and burgers. Hey, they know their audience, so, you know, they're playing to it. Now, we'll see these in lots of different towns, and um, as well as the secondhand shop, which there's one here and in many towns. Um, here you can get a flash to illuminate the dungeon. You can't just see down there. You do need some illumination. Those are cheap, 20 mesetas. There are escapers, which let you escape from a battle for the cost of a mere 10 mesetas. And finally, transfers, which let you teleport back to your last visited church for 48 mesetas. And churches are another kind of building. Churches are a building. <laughs> um, that's where you uh, resurrect people that die in battle, you know, mm -hmm, for a price. Mm -hmm. But also, um, if you just visit there, the bishop or priest or whoever. Space priest. Space priest. He'll, he'll tell you uh, how, many, uh, how much XP you need to get to the next level for each character. And another building would be hospital. Yeah, that's where you can get healed um, for, again, for a price. Yeah, a random price, too. It's weird, but it's not worth it um, because the best building here, we kind of mentioned her name before, is Suelo's house. Who, yeah, she's your friend or whatever, but that's kind of an RPG trope in the first town where there's someone who heals you for free. So this is her here, and uh, she's great. We thank her for her... Her service. Yeah, she lives to serve. She's always, yeah, Swallow's door is always open. <laughs> so, yeah, so those are the, so those are the shops. But there's a couple other places to investigate here. For instance, there is your first dungeon, first-person dungeon that you can uh, check out. There are no monsters in it. There is one treasure chest in there that has, like, 50 macetas in it. So mm -hmm. you want to get that to start off with, uh, maybe buy yourself a, a sparkly new leather shield. And then there's like a door that you need a key for that you don't have. So, yeah, it's um, it's very simple. It's, you know, it's just like a... It's like a tutorial sort of for, yeah. yeah, just what dungeons are like, things that you would encounter in a dungeon. Yeah, so, um, you know, duck down there and grab it, grab that money. And But there's also another citizen of Kamenit that you want to talk to. He's, he's in like the top left and he's the guy, he tells you to look in Scion for Odin. And he gives you a Laconian pot, uh, which is an important item that will come in handy later. 
So yeah, that's Kamenit. Um, and you have, well, there are really only two exits. There's the exit building dome, and then there's a path blocked, which would uh, from here be going to the west. But if you leave the town, you'll kind of see that it is actually part of a kind of town complex inside a wall where you have Kamenit itself directly to your north, which is connected by like a conveyor belt. Yeah, like a, a people mover and an airport. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and and which you know leads to the spaceport. So, but there's also another conveyor belt leading there from another town to the south that you can go and uh, check out, and that town is called Paralit. Yeah, and it's pretty much the same as the other one with slightly different items. Um, yeah, yeah. Here's your weapon store. You can get a iron sword for seventy five mesetas. So. Not too bad. That's on the that's on the short list. You can get a titanium sword for three hundred and twenty, and a ceramic sword for eleven twenty. So again, yeah, you know, you know what you're going <laughs> to yeah. be shooting for. Yep, yep. In order, there's another first food shop here and another second hand shop here. Although this this second hand shop has a a magic lamp for sale. Yeah, which does the exact same thing as Flash. Only you don't have to, you know, select and use it. It's just going to do it automatically for you anytime you enter a dungeon. Yeah, it's nice. It's, uh, you know, it, it is expensive. It's 1,400 mesetas, but you, you're going to want it eventually. Mm-hmm. So get it. So in Paralit, we uh, we learn a couple of things. Uh, for instance, there's another town, Scion, to the east. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is uh, Medusa's Cave to the south. Ooh, Sounds dangerous. Yeah, sounds dangerous indeed. Um, so yeah, like you said, for now you can't get to the uh, spaceport because there's those guards blocking you. So let's check out what's outside the city. Yeah, so you can. Yeah, so now you have a little area to roam around, and it wouldn't be an '80s JRPG if you didn't have to grind immediately. So you, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can walk around outside the town, and there are a couple enemies that you. You know, at first, you, you just want to fight uh, swarms, which are a big insect. Yeah, like a big dragonfly. Yeah, they will... The number of enemies that you encounter is actually kind of tied to the number of characters that you have in your party. So, at the beginning, you'll probably only be seeing one or two of any of these monsters. Which is good, because you would get slaughtered otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then, uh, we should also mention that, um, you know, there's no enemies inside the walls of the city. But there's a little patch of forest. You can encounter mm. enemies there. And unfortunately, there's they're too tough for you. Yeah, when yeah. When you first start out, I mean, how convenient would that be? So, yeah, you want to you wanna fight those big bugs well, out, it, it, outside the city gates. It's kind of deceptive because when you see the walled-in area with the towns and then there's a forest in there, you might think, like I did the first time I played, which was, Hey, that's where they want me to start off practicing and leveling up, and you just get slaughtered. So don't don't be that. Don't be me. So yeah, you. I pretty much hunkered down for about almost forty minutes of grinding right here because to get up, I got up to level four. Mm-hmm. First, getting uh, you know, I, I got the, the leather shield here. I got the iron sword, and I got eventually I got the titanium sword. Starting off, just kind of grinding around there. Um, you know, and it's all it's the swarms. Eventually, you can. Maybe at like level two, maybe. I don't know. Maybe at level one, you could handle a scorpion, a lone scorpion. But normally, I just stick to swarms until you're level two. Then you can fight scorpions. And then, you know, level by level, you'll start expanding your your killing powers so that you can start taking down, what, owl bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when we say, um, you know, just outside the city gates, like, 
we really mean that just <laughs> yeah, yeah like it's in a couple of squares just outside the city gate i mean you know where you're going to encounter some enemies depending on the terrain that you're walking on so for this part yeah which is mostly plain stuff but there are some forests in there um yeah so you out. can yeah you can count on um encountering the swarms and scorpions in the plains here going in the forest there's going to be tougher enemies um and yeah, anywhere yeah. farther away from the city is going to be tougher for me um i mean scorpions are the best for you know hit points and masetas but for me i could um uh, at level three i could just about handle two of those scorpions Oh, at okay. a time like it it took a minute to get up there and i did about the same amount of grinding uh got the same equipment as you but i um grinded until i was up to level five uh at level four that's when you get the heal spell which is a godsend and at level five you get the buy spell which does the same thing as the item escaper yeah yeah no i um well, the funny thing is, is that after, you know what I said, I, I, grind, I ground, grinded for uh, like about 40 minutes. And that's before just going to the next town of Sion, which is pretty close to the east of Kamenit. Like you said, right outside the gate. Like if you go anywhere north or south of the, of the town wall entrance, then that's where you're going to start seeing significantly stronger enemies. So stay, if you're going anyway, the only the only safe place is to the east, and that's right where that town of Sion is. So you can go and uh, check that out. Well, this is where we're expecting to find Odin, um, the guy that gave us the Laconian pot, I think. He told us to go to Sion to yeah. find Odin. Yeah, so you can check it out here. They have an armory where they're selling actual armor, not shields. You can get leather armor for 28 mesetas, but I think you start with that. You can get a light suit for 290, which is, you know, that's a 15 defense. The leather armor is only five, so that's on the short list. And in those distant future days of a thousand mesetas is the zirconian armor with a plus 30 defense. There is also a, another secondhand shop here where you can buy a flash or a trancer or secrets. Secrets. Yeah, so for, for the curious, if you just um, try to do it twice, it's 200 mesetas. And that's your road pass that you can use to get to the spaceport, should you choose. Um, here in Scion, we also get some more information. Like we said, you came here to get Odin. Yeah. But um, uh, we discover that Odin is not in Scion. Uh, other info we get, uh, we need an item, the compass, in order to enter uh, what's called the Epi Forest, um, mm. which... Obviously, is going to be integral to the story uh, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Then one of the most important things we learn is um, that one townsperson uh, had a talking beast and found Ooh. it in the Medusa cave, but he sold it to a merchant in Paseo, which is the capital of another planet, Motavia. And then uh, you'll see this in a lot of towns. We learn a lot of information, um, like <laughs> locations of like yeah, yeah. four or five different caves per town. Uh, so we won't list those. We just want to get this uh, talking mystical beast. Yeah, because even if you haven't played this before, if you uh, a cursory glance at the instruction manual will reveal like, okay, this is Meow. So, and we want characters, doggone it. So now our, our, our next destination is... Paseo on the planet Motavia, but not before grinding more. Um, I ground for another 15 minutes here to get uh, the light suit and enough money for the road pass. And I ended up, I was level six 
before I headed to Paseo. Oh, I got up to uh, level seven. That took me about 15 or so minutes as well. Got mm-hmm. the same equipment too. Grand total. Yeah. So. So we got the road pass to take us from Kamini uh, to the spaceport. Or Paralit, either one. You can go and you can ride either one of the sweet mm-hmm. conveyor belts. Right. And then once we're in the spaceport, um, you know, it's not like a town, but there are two shops yeah. that we can enter here. Um, and one of which we need to buy a passport mm-hmm. from uh, the immigrations officer or something. the yeah. Uh, yeah, like cost- customs or something like that. But yeah, we've got to buy this passport. Just a hundred meseta. They answer you two goofy questions, and you just say no to both and move on. Uh, they ask you if you have like a disease or anything. Yeah, or, or like, um, are you a criminal? Have you yeah, done yeah. any crimes or anything? Like, they got a background check. You. It's an honor system in the space. Mm. You know, in the Algol star system. All but. right. So once you've got your passport, you can head to where the actual you know space shuttle is. Um. So present your passport, board the spaceship, and fly off into the fly off into space fly off into the night sky where you'll eventually land at paseo on motavia you know you get a cool little interstitial space travel scene so we're looking for the merchant that the talking beast was uh sold to so you know just enter into the dome buildings like there's usually somebody in there who wants to talk to you and tell you and a fun fact but uh we find that merchant and we trade the laconium pot in order to uh, get Meow. Yeah, he first demands like a billion mesetas. And if you say no, then he's like, okay, I'll trade it to you for this this pot. And you get Meow, the talking cat rabbit, cat bit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he And Meow reveals that he knows where Odin is, but he's been turned to stone. and he But he has the antidote on his like necklace or collar, but he can't do it himself. Like because he doesn't have hands, I guess. Yeah, he's like a St. Bernard or something like that <laughs> yeah. with like the little barrel. But instead, it's like... Uh, yeah, it's rum. No, it's, it's rum. called... Yeah, no, no, no. It's called... Uh, it's al- al- Alcelosin. Or Alcelin. Alcelin. Yeah, it's like insulin, but... Uh, but space insulin. But spacey. Spacelin. Either way, I mean, you can go to... There is an armory here where you can buy a short sword. Don't need it. You already have a way better weapon. That's only 40 mesetas. You can buy thick fur, which you will want eventually. That's for Meow. It adds 30 defense but and costs 630 mesetas. And that's the only chance he'll have to ever increase his defense. I think thick fur, that's the only armor that he can use. I, yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, there's also diamond armor here for 15,000 mesetas. It is 60 points, so it's way better, but that's a, a long ways away. So also in Paseo... Um, you know, Meow knows where Odin is as well. And that's the Medusa cave mm-hmm. that we know is south of uh, Kamenit. Yeah. So let's head back to Palma. Palma or Parma. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going back to the spaceport on Palma. Yeah. So you head back, touch down on familiar scenery of Kamenit slash Paralit with our, with, our, with our brand spanking new teammate here. But before we go to get Odin, I think we'll call it here. Yeah. For, for our first episode, uh, stay tuned, adventurers, for for the rest of this, uh, <laughs> the, for the rest of the quest. Yeah. And uh, we will return next week. Yeah, so if you want to let us know... Um, 
how to pronounce any of these words? Mesetas, mesitas. Yeah. Is, is it mesetas? Mesitas. Mesetas. It's a meseta <laughs> mystery. Um, anyway, uh, you know, you can let us know that or anything. How you're doing, what you had for dinner, what you plan on having for dinner. Let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. Especially, especially if you're having a colon burgers for dinner. Yeah, I think I will tonight just to celebrate this game. In fact, I do a one-to-one burger, real life to in-game burger, you know, just to get into character. You know, I'm, I'm a serious role player here. That's That hints all the burgers and colas. You like burgers and colas? Let us know at Twitter, at Cart Command, or at Facebook, where burger and cola lovers of all creeds can come together and celebrate our love of first food. And I cannot forget our... Our sovereigns, our liege lords, the patrons at Patreon.com who have supported us in all our wacky endeavors throughout these uh, few years now. And so, yeah, thanks to all of them, their generous donations, their macetas fuel our starship fantasies. So thanks to you all. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) And as always, adventurers, game on! Nick is gone, but he's gonna hear this because he has to edit the podcast. Yeah, we'll be done for now because.